Welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast, your home for stories, inspiration, and advice from athletes over 40. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. I'm a later in life athlete who became a roller derby skater in my 30s and a runner and obstacle racer in my 40s. Now I'm an athletic aging coach who helps women over 40 experience the massive life benefits that come with exploring your athletic potential at any age and any fitness background. If that fires you up, keep listening. Let's do this. Are you tired of trying to figure out how to fit a fitness routine into your schedule in a way that doesn't overcomplicate your already busy life? Take a big breath, take a step back, and then start with your first five days. Your first five days is a free mini challenge that's all about setting that foundation to get you back into your body, your energy, and your confidence with simplicity and ease. Each day during your first five days, you'll get daily mini podcast episodes that you can listen to while you move. Each episode will give you simple tips and action steps you can use to make fitness a part of your everyday life in a way that doesn't feel heavy, hard, or stressful. Now is your time to get back into daily movement and experience all the magical stress-reducing energy-boosting benefits that come with it. And it starts with your first five days. Get it for free at robinleggett.com slash five. I periodically get feedback from seasoned athlete listeners about how they want to hear more later in life athlete stories. Of course, we talk to athletes from all walks of life and varying backgrounds here, and every story is wonderful and amazing and inspirational and awesome. But there is something about hearing directly from people who had nothing to do with sports for most of their lives, only to find their way into an athletic lifestyle later on. Stacy Greiner is one such story. Stacy likes to say that she simply did not sweat for most of her life. But for her, a major life transition pulled her to the outdoors and led her to the first steps in her newfound athletic journey starting in her 40s. How did Stacy go from the perspiration-free life to piling on race medals? I'll let her tell you. Here is Stacy Greiner. Hi, Stacy. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Yeah, let's do it. I love it. You are Stacy Greiner. You're the owner of Kika Stretch Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. You're a mindset and business coach for midlife women and a wellness consultant for startups and small businesses. And you are a later in life athlete. And that's really what we're going to get into here today. So from here, I'm going to ask a question I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I am 49. 49, on the verge of 50. On the verge you know, of 50. On the verge of 50. You know, in, in racing terms, that means you're about to age up to another age. Yes. Group, which, <laughs> you know, in, those, in that world, we were actually like really proud of, you know, moving up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Super like, competitive. Super yes. competitive. Yeah. So you know what that's all about. That's, that's the philosophy I want to spread all over all of womankind is that, you know, it's a good thing to get older. We know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's go back in time. What did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports growing up? No, I did not. <laughs> you did not. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I was a cheerleader. Okay. Uh, cheerleading was um, much different than it is now, but I did cheerleading for a while, like in elementary and middle school. But, you know, I would say once I hit puberty, you know, the idea of sweating, you know, just didn't work out. <laughs> it's just not, just I'm not out. into it. I'm just not into the not idea into of it. it. No, yeah. no. You know, you told me we had a little conversation before this interview and you said like, mm-hmm. I didn't sweat until a certain age. <laughs> like, right. Fascinating. Right. Literally. Literally. And even with the cheerleading and, you know, cheerleading, like you said, it looks very differently now. A lot of us have watched cheer on Netflix and things that they go through, they put their bodies through so much now, but that's just not what it was like when you and I, because you and I are similar age when you and I were growing up, that's not, it wasn't quite like that. So when you say you didn't break a sweat, you mean it. Yeah, totally. I'm, I admire those young women now because I, mean, I don't have been like doing it either. I'd be like, whoa. It's, I mean, they're, they're gymnasts, they're acrobats, they're daredevils. Yes. Like it's a whole different universe now, but you could get away with not sweating back when you were in middle school <laughs> in the eighties. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you weren't into sweating. It was just not your jam. Uh, so what, 
what changed and when did it change? Um, so it changed when I t- turned 40, um, you know, that monumental milestone <laughs> age. I had been married for almost uh, 13 and a half years, um, but I was with my ex-husbands. We've known each other since we were kids, like nine years old. Wow. And we were going through a divorce and um, I was living in the Bay Area and I started hiking Stanford Dish. So some of your Bay Area listeners might know where that is. Um, and it's, I think it's a 3.7 mile loop. It's pretty hilly. It's about 500 feet of elevation. And so I started walking that just to have some time and space for myself and to just really think about my life. Um, and when I first started doing the loop or the dish, as they call it, um, it would take me like an hour and 20 minutes or something, like an hour and a half. And so each day I kind of started thinking, I should be able to walk a little bit faster than that. You know, I, you know you're out there, you see other people running, you see people, you know, who look about the same age as you running the loop. And so I sort of made it in my head, like, oh, I wonder if I could run that one day. And so that was kind of like where everything started. I find it interesting that, you know, you, you had this lifelong relationship, so it had to be massive when it ended, just massively difficult and painful and hard. And so why do you think, you know, going out into nature was as someone who never was into sweating, you know, going out into nature was a a coping mechanism for you or a place to get back in touch with yourself. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit more? I can. Um, so I'm originally from New Jersey, um, Newark, New Jersey. My, I grew up in a little suburb outside of Newark called East Orange. Um, so big city living. Um, and then when I, you know, as an adult, my uh, I started my career in New York City. So when I moved to the Bay Area, it was a big change for us. Neither one of us had ever really been more than like I would say 20 minutes from family. But what that did for me um, especially because we had been married for so long and because we were young parents, we both, you know, we had our first son at 18. Moving away from family was like a catalyst for me to sort of have a little bit more room to um, make decisions on my own. And so walking, you know, when I was having that, that difficult time, the walking sort of gave me the space. And I really started to appreciate just being out in nature and recognizing the, the, the peacefulness of it. Like it's not a lot of, you know, it's not like the city yeah, right? <laughs> with traffic and noise and sirens and, you know, it's not a lot of people. And um, I just really started to enjoy the, the, the peacefulness of it. And so, you know, the dish um, was like my entry point into that. And then I started, you know, going to Rancho San Antonio and, you know, all of the um, other um, places in the Bay Area that, started taking you into <laughs> the woods, so to speak. And it just became a place of solitude. Um, and it was really difficult. It was, you know, that was the place where, you know, I sh- shed some tears and, um, but it was a place where I felt, um, you know, where I could li- really hear uh, God talk to me. So that's yeah. really where it was. Did you find answers and healing out in nature like that? I definitely did. I, I found strength too. Um, like I said, I didn't sweat until I was 40. So I started, you know, I, I have two, two, two boys, I should say two young men now because they are 31 and 21 now, <laughs> but back then <laughs> they're always your boys, right? They were like 18. And, 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 and here's the funny thing. I raised athletes. <laughs> There's some irony. <laughs> it's okay for them to sweat, but not me. Yeah. But the funny part was like when we, when I was going through that, you know, when I first started telling them about, Hey, you know, I go to this dish, you should come here with me. You know, and they were like, Oh, and I can remember my youngest son laughing because it took me so long to run a mile. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, he's like, I think at the time he was like, I don't know, like 10 or so he could run a mile in like seven minutes or something. Yeah. He's been running miles his whole right. life. So right. he has no understanding of it being hard for somebody. Like 15, 20 minutes right. to just you know, walk it. But the great part about that is that um, that also gave me an opportunity to connect with them because in the beginning they were like laughing at me, but in the end, 
<laughs> in the end, um, what I was able to do in my becoming an athlete, they've never been able to touch. So well, let's talk about that because you went beyond how I am. <laughs> <laughs> this is at the beginning and end of your story as well. She she was going through a tough time in her life and she went hiking and she, she's an athlete now. You went way beyond that. So tell me how your athletic journey moved into organized events. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So like I said at the time, it was a really um, a, a matter of like really finding myself and finding my voice. Um, you know, coming to some realizations about who I am and who I love. And I found this organization called Black Girls Run. And they didn't have a big following in the South Bay, um, but they, you know, they had quite a, quite a presence in like Oakland and things like that. And so I just connected with a few women and um, I got in a community of these women who were into running and uh, they we're like, hey, you can do a half marathon. And I was like, I don't even run a, like, I don't even know if I could run a mile without stopping. But they were very supportive. And they were like, well, then you can walk it. And I didn't even think about walking a mile. Like I, like, I knew I was out there, but it just, I wasn't aware of, like, measurement like that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I would call, like, the Stanford, I would be like, oh, I did the loop, right? Yeah, you're not even paying attention to the miles. You're doing miles all the right. time, but you're not paying attention to it. Right. I'd never paid attention to miles. Um, But then it became very, you know, then it becomes a very important thing. I want that point, you know, that point one or point two is really like, say it right. Right. Because it's really important. Well, a half marathon Um, is not 13 miles. It's 13. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Don't forget that. Right. So, yeah, I did that. And I got into this, you know, community that was really, Uh, very supportive and very, um, you know, just welcoming and a a safe space for me to sort of be on that journey to becoming an athlete. And I guess, you know, they, they got me into signing up for a half marathon. And so within like six months, I did my first half marathon at the San Jose rock and roll half marathon. Oh, I've done the rock so and that roll. was like, <laughs> I did the rock and roll. It was nice. like my first half marathon. And then because I love to travel so much, I was like, you know, and they were all like, you know, cause once you get in this community, it's like crazy. Um, oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's so much. It's so in some ways, it's a lot of pressure too, but then it's also like you, it, it's like so much camaraderie and so much love and so much support. So it's just like a lot of, it keeps your juices flowing and adrenaline yeah. going. So it's easy to keep pulling up when you have a community around you. Yeah. Yeah. Like decisions. Yeah. It just makes you push yourself harder and, but in a, in a great way, like yeah. not in a way that's like, you like, no one ever was like, you can't do it. They were like, yeah. Like you always found someone who would be like, even if you had a naysayer, it was like 1530 to 15 to 30 other people people who are like, yeah, right on, do it. Right. Yeah. Even if, even if it's like theoretically not even a good decision, they, right. Right. Still push right, you to do right. it. Right. Cause, right. Cause some that came later when I was like, like that. Yeah. Like, let me, like my body. Right. Yeah. And that's what that comes in time when, you know, you start learning your stuff, but they're you know, level up and that's, that's yeah. Cool. How old were you when you ran your first half marathon? I want to say that was 23, maybe 40. Yeah. And let's just be clear here because I don't know if we were clear about this. That was your first race was a half marathon, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you didn't start the, the traditional journey is that you start (laughs) with a 5k and then you move to a 10k and then eventually you go to a half marathon. That was my journey, uh, was, was that path, but we've, I've interviewed people who have not taken that path. I've interviewed people who's first race is a marathon, you know, it, it happens. And so, you know, your first race was a half marathon. Did you have, did you ever second guess and wonder, like, maybe I should have taken this other path? No, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, and you don't know what you don't know either. Right. Like, right. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I was like, they were like, you should sign up for a half marathon. I mean, I didn't even like it wasn't, I can honestly say that after I had signed up, 
I was like, oh, it's smaller races. Like, like I wasn't even aware that there were like smaller races. It's, right. I mean, so, Again, you don't know what you don't know. So, <laughs> right. It sounds so naive right now, but I just wasn't, you know, this whole world was just not even in my peripheral. Right. Right. Like you, you had never played a sport. You had never run a race. You weren't into sweating. So being someone who is not into sweating, you sweat during a half marathon. Typically you even sweat during these hikes. Yes, you do. Like what was the shift for you being someone who's so sweat averse to then <laughs> like drench it to like, <laughs> right, how, how did that right, feel for right. you? And, and looking back on, <laughs> on the years where you avoided sweating, like, how did that change feel? Oh gosh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, um, in the beginning, I think that, you know, even though I was out there, sweat, well, let me say this. So the San Jose Rock and Roll Half Marathon is actually sort of like a, a winter race for California. Okay. So it wasn't that. Wasn't that sweaty? I've run a Disneyland half marathon where it was 85 degrees at 5 a.m. So that's I did that's that too. A... I did that too. Okay. Um we're getting yeah, there. just go down that rabbit hole of all the races. Uh-huh. Um so I eventually, like at first, like I said, when I first started, I think I was just so focused on like letting like like grieving the old me. Like I had so defined myself by this relationship with my ex-husband and being a mom and then also wanting like feeling like I had let people down like by getting a divorce it was like all this other shit and there's a um, lot of societal expectations right true or perceived right that you were dealing with right and then when I came out so I wasn't even thinking like I was sweating right because I know I was right because I was like training like air quotes training so I was really just focused on the journey and it wasn't until like probably after my half marathon. And then I started to train for my first marathon that I did in Paris that I actually was like, God, I'm sweating. Like, like it was <laughs> like the, And by that time I had come to the realization I was standing in my truth as a queer woman. I was like, you know, just out proud who I was. And like that journey, I was starting from there to like, after I had finished that first half marathon, it was like laying the foundation of like, for me standing in my truth. And then from there, it was just like building on that muscle and building on that and and making myself stronger from there. Right. So this, this transition into the athletic phase of your life was like a rebirth in a lot of ways. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. It was a new, it was a new season of your life. And Mm -hmm. it's as if it opened the door for you to be open about who you are. And, and like you said, like step into your truth yeah, it really was me sort of having a rebirth. Yeah, like since then, my my entire life has changed. And I don't regret any part of that part of my life. I have two beautiful children. My ex-husband and I are, are our families are still very interwoven and there's a lot of love there. But there's so much more internal peace that I found. And that journey included my whole, the, all the years that I uh, used where I was, you know, becoming an athlete played a big part in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's a difficult journey to become an athlete, especially if you haven't your whole life. And you were, you're talking about, it's like, I ran my first marathon and that means there's more than one. That's the process (laughs) of training for a marathon. I've only done one so far, but I know the process of training for a marathon and training that many miles, it's a mental and physical and emotional experience that, that can break you down in a lot of ways as it builds you up. So as that was paralleling, can you talk about how that process paralleled other areas of your life where you might've been breaking down to build back up again? Yeah. So, you know, being, you know, I was becoming a single mom. Um, I had a very, very stressful career and even finding the time to be honest, to do the training, you know, when I signed up for the half marathon, you know, the next year I was like, maybe my half marathon was 2012 because I, for some reason, I remember I'm going to do 13 half marathons in 2013 because I remember something like that. Wait, 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 (laughs) wait. I gloss over that. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I glaze over that. Yeah, so actually, I think my half marathon was in 2012 because I, in 2013, 
Um, that was like the year I was going to do 13 half marathons in 2013. It was like coinciding with the mm-hmm. last two digits mm-hmm. of 20, whatever. Right, right. And so I did. I signed up for every month. I was like in a different city and doing different half marathons. And, and then I did my full marathon in Paris. So wait, you did do 13 half marathons in 2013? Did yeah, you complete did. that? That's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did that. I did some like, what do you call those obstacle course races? Oh, yeah. I was just, I was just. You went all in. You ran one half yeah. marathon in 2012. And then you mm-hmm. went like. And then it just like set something off in you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were doing all of the yeah. things, including 13 half marathons, yeah. 13 full marathon yeah. obstacle races. You're like, if it's, if it's a race, I'm going to do it basically. Yeah. And yeah, it, it definitely filled some space that I had, you know, I had this big gap in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it filled the space and it also like gave me something for me. Like I hadn't had, I, again, I was a mom at 18. Mm-hmm. Like I hadn't had me. Right. Right. You were making up for lost time. <laughs> right. My entire life. I did not have anything just for me. Like my career, my marriage, like all of this stuff was for other people. And, and becoming an athlete was all me, which is one of the reasons why I love it so much, because it was the one thing where I was able to show up for myself and really prove to myself that I could do something. Now, mind you, obviously I had other accolades, right? Like my mom, I had a great career, but like for some reason that felt great, but becoming this athlete was just something that I didn't ever dream of. Like when I was younger, I dreamed of getting married and having children and having a great career. I never dreamed of running a marathon. I never dreamed of riding my bike 545 miles. I never dreamed that I was going to do an Ironman. Like I just didn't have those type of dreams. Yeah. It was just not on your radar, but what you mentioned, and I think the, the thing that makes it different and the thing that, that a lot of women miss out on because you talked about how you you got accolades for being a mom and accolades at your mm-hmm. job but those mm-hmm. are tied directly into what you're doing for other people right you know, it's you wouldn't get accolades for being a mom if you didn't take such great care of your kids you wouldn't get accolades at work if you weren't doing such a good job helping other people earn money and so this is the one thing where when you when you get a medal when you get the accolades for racing it's because a hundred percent of what you do for you and that's huge. And I think, you know, a lot of women miss out on this side because they're, and we are trained, we are conditioned, we are raised to serve other people, to help other people to at, and often at the expense of ourselves. Right. So this was an opportunity and you, you had, you had this opportunity because of the, just what was going on in your life that you had that space open up for you to do this thing for you and experience this thing that brought you joy specifically <laughs> what you were doing to make yourself better. Yes. And I know, I, and I definitely have, you know, friends who have were married and it's caused, you know, some discomfort in their relationships because of the time they take to train for a marathon or the time they take to train for an Ironman and things like that. And, you know, they'd ask me, I'm like this, you know, honestly, and, you know, my children were a little bit older, you know, so it was, it was tough, but, you know, it was something that I like, honestly, it's up there and high up in terms of like who I am as a person and what I've been able to do and what the, the level of joy it brings my life. Yeah. And all women deserve this level of joy, whether or not yeah. it comes from athletics, but right. if it's something you want to pursue, uh, you know, you talk about the friction that it causes in relationships, you know, based on what I've seen, it does require a level of communication with your partner, with your family. Uh, I'm sure you had to communicate with your sons about, you know, this is time I need. If it's something you want, you deserve it. And you, you need to do what you need to do to create that and hopefully get the support you need, which you got, you know, through your sons, you got through uh, the Black Women Run community. Find what you need to do the things that bring you joy. Yeah. And believe it or not, like I had a really successful career, but because I did that for myself, I was able to show up so much more authentically in other areas that even those areas started to blossom and grow, right? Like, yeah, it was like my friendships, you know, really 
you know, where they may have suffered because I was just not in a good place. And I was like giving so much, like it's relationships, my career, you know, my own personal self-worth, like learning how to amplify that, learning how to be like, yeah, like I, like I did that. Like, you know, it paid back in so many other ways that even go beyond just the physical aspects. Yeah. And that's, that's the foundation of the work I do is, is helping women see by pursuing your athletic potential and stepping into big challenges that you might not think you're capable of, but being able to do these things and grow into these things permeates into all areas of your life. The confidence that you gain from that, knowing what you're able to do. And you, you touched upon a couple of things. You touched upon Ironman races. You touched upon uh, 545 mile bike rides, which we can talk about in a second. Just really huge things that when you got started on those hikes at Stanford, if you from the future came and visited you on that trail and said, you're going to do all this, you'd be like, shut hey. up. I'd be like, not me. <laughs> shut not up, me. future Stacy. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. but the fact is you grew into that and that gives you a level of confidence that then can spread into every area of your life. And you are a living example of that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be an entrepreneur if it wasn't for that journey. Me too. Me I too. would not, I would not like understanding how, I mean, granted we go through, you know, not all of us, but some of us, you know, we birth things, right. Whether it's a business or whether it's actually childbirth, like we birth things and it is a really hard process. Right. However, like the beautiful thing that comes from it is like so amazing. I know I would not even have businesses or even been able to have the courage to leave a corporate job, to leave multiple six figures on his table and be like, I can bet on me. I know I can deliver, right? I know, like, I know anything is possible. Like that would not have come to me had I not been on that journey of becoming this athlete. And really, again, like I said, this is not something that I don't even come from a family of athletes. Like, you know, like I got a couple of cousins and things like that and brother who might've played basketball. Like, but you know, there's no like collegiate level type of athletic ability in our our family. A couple, but like not really close, right? It's just not something that- You didn't have a lot of examples or precedent. Right, I didn't have a blueprint for it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a blueprint for it. So, yeah. So you, yeah, you figured all this out through your own journey- but the mm-hmm. life-changing effects that came from it are are huge and massive. And it, it's allowed you to live big. Like Oh, absolutely. And I'm like, that's like, I'm like you, I want women to feel this. I'm like, right? Oh yes. <laughs> I know, because so many women don't. don't. So many women spend their whole lives living small and thinking that's all that's possible. And not allowing them to see what's possible. And you and I have very similar paths. You know, we started around the same age. I started a little younger, but but still, we started later. We were not athletes growing up. You know, your sons were laughing at your mile time. My my dad gave a toast at my wedding about how ridiculous it was that I became an athlete, like how inconceivable it was that I became an athlete. He gave me a, that was his toast at my wedding. Like, <laughs> that's how ridiculous the idea was to my- you know, so I know you've experienced similar things, but you and yeah. I can see and speak to the life changing benefits that come when you pursue something like this, because it forces you to live bigger. It challenges yeah. you to live bigger. And you saw it, it. you, you've mm-hmm. lived it. So speaking of living bigger, you went from one half marathon to 13 half marathons, your first marathon, which was in Paris. And I love it. And it calls back to what you talked about earlier in our conversation about like, oh, running races gives me an opportunity to travel. I can travel and run races. I call those racecations. And my husband and I almost like for a while done that. <laughs> exclusively ran, went on racecations, <laughs> planned, yes. planned family visits around Spartan races that happened yes, yes, in that yes. city. I know you know yes. it. Yes, I do. So you started with road races, um, mm-hmm. running races. How did you transition into triathlon? So I transitioned, well, first I transitioned into cycling. So I, a friend of mine that I met through Black Girls Run had signed up for AIDS Life Cycle. And AIDS Life Cycle is a seven day, 545 mile bike ride from San Francisco to LA. It's fully supported and you raise money for the San Francisco and LA AIDS Foundations, right? At Parker, 
Our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I, I was just blown away by the fact that she did this. And she didn't know this when she told me, um, but my mother died of AIDS. Mm. And I had been given to charities since she had died. And so I was like, wow, I could, I could do this in honor of my mom. Like, this, this is great. And so I signed up to do the race. Um, I had not been on a bike in over, like, I don't know, since kid. I don't since know, you were a kid, like right? 20, 20, 30 years. I don't know. <laughs> I hadn't had a bike. <laughs> I had to go. I had signed up for the race before I had a bike. Right, right. Um, I, like, it, this is another example where, like, I did not, I literally did not ride a bike more than a couple of miles before I signed up for this race. And I signed up for the race in like November and then the race is in June. And so that was like a big feat for me. So I saw, I found a coach. Um, her name was Liza Richello. <laughs> and she was a pro cyclist, pro women cyclist. She is a pro women cyclist. She happened to live in the Bay Area. We bumped into each other. We met up. I was like, girl, I signed up for something. <laughs> we are starting from scratch. Mold me. <laughs> and she was like... <laughs> She was like, what? And then it was the same year. And she was like, I told her, she was like, what do you do? I was like, oh, and I told her about how I had found running and I love running and I signed up for all these races and stuff. And she she was like, listen, because I was going to go to, did you do like that Disney Dumbo? I did the Dumbo Double Dare. Yeah. Yes. At Disneyland, it's doing 10K and half marathon back to back. Yes. So that's why I did did like the 5K to 10K. Oh yeah. You can do the 5K that weekend too. Yeah. Half marathon and then the marathon. So okay. Oh, that's the Tinkerbell. That's the something. oh, the dopey one. Yeah, in Florida. Yeah, yeah, in Florida. So it was like four races. It was like five k, ten k. It was crazy. It was yeah. crazy. Disney puts on a great race, by the way. Yes, they do. Um. <laughs> yes, they do. They stopped holding them at Disneyland a few years ago, but my husband and I it was always around our anniversary. And so we would run the Disney races and do the Dumbo Double Dare for our anniversary every year for three years. They put on an amazing event, but then they stopped having races out here. Yeah, well, well, well. Uh, anyway. <laughs> right. Well, I did that. But anyway, she saw like my schedule and she was like, literally, she was like, um, if you want to do, you have to choose, right? And I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you and wanted to run all the races and do this. I one. wanted to run all the races. That's tough. That's tough when that happens. Yes. So I had to cut half of my race schedule. Mm. I didn't cut them all, but I cut half. And I trained for this charity ride. And my my goal was that I wanted to ride, they call it EFI. It's called every effing inch of 545 miles. I wanted that EFI. And when I tell you I went, like, I trained with her, I was, like, in tears some days. Like, this is the hard, like, what was I thinking? Emotional journey. Yep. Right. And then also, mm-hmm. like, when I tell you it's this one hill in Shannon Drive or something, and I can't remember if it's like Los Saltos or, but it's, it's in the hills. And um, <laughs> it's a big when hill. I tell you that hill broke me down. Like, I was in tears. And like the fact that, you know, I could go back, you know, a month later and like climb it. And it, like, it's just all of those journeys. And like, yeah. I didn't realize California was so hilly when I signed up for the race. Oh my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I will, I have to say I was so proud of myself because I never got off my bike. Like I would literally keep pedaling and I got up all the hills. They have these really crazy hills called, you know, on the ride, the evil twin sisters, you know, <laughs> um, like it's all these crazy because it's just a very hilly course. It's great because it's fully supported. There's someone always on the road. You can tell them, look, I had enough. Take my bike and give me a ride back to, to camp. But it was a really great opportunity and I loved it. So I do that race every two years. And that's, so that's 
545 miles? Yes. EFI? Every time? Every time. Every time. Except the last one. Okay. No, third year, not the third. <laughs> the third year, I didn't do it. But the okay. third year, I was I was moving to Atlanta, and I didn't train. I kind of showed up, which I would not suggest to anyone. Well, that's, and that's how you learn, right? Ooh, I was tumbled. Yeah. Yeah, I was proud of myself for what I did do, but ooh. Ooh, yeah, not good for the body. Yeah, no. And as you age, no, not good for the body. Yeah. So train properly. Train properly. <laughs> train properly. That led you that to, led to Iron Man. Iron Man. The triathlon. Nice. Yeah, that, that led me to triathlon. I was like, oh well, I probably should, you know. Again, same community, same type of people, and they're encouraging you, encouraging you. So I signed up for. Uh, I started at the right level this. Okay. Time. I started. I started <laughs> You gained some wisdom spending some time. I mean, you'd already started running with a half marathon. I started cycling with a 545 mile. Right, right. right. And now, now you can be conservative about it. Right. The coach was like, let's do this, this, let's do this, you know, the smart way. So I started with like the sprint triathlon, then the, um, the Olympic, and then I did the half Ironman. Um, and I was going to do an Ironman that year. And then I had to stop myself because I realized I was doing it because of like FOMO. Mm-hmm. That That's a, that's a real thing. Then you start dealing with, oh, I don't want to miss out on this race when really the right thing. Yeah. 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 And then it was a lot of people doing it, like who, who was like, well, I'm going to do it too. And they was like, you know, had it trained for a year to do it. And my coach was like, Stacey, you could do it. You could like, you could do it, but you also could just wait a year and do it and have the type of results you want to have. And she was right. The benefits of a coach sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah, they can help. Yeah. They can help you see things that well, you, you know, are not and, seeing and for now yourself. Being a coach myself, I totally, totally get this. It's like, you know, we want it all right away. And sometimes it just makes sense to understand that the, the, like, you know, it's about the journey and not the destination all the time. Yeah. And so I learned so much more about, myself as an athlete, taking that time to really train properly. And, you know, and when I tell you, you know, Ironman has that, has, you know, their, their branding is anything is possible. By the time you finish that race, you do know that. Yeah. Like you absolutely know that That's amazing. because it's a long day. Yeah. It's a long yeah, day. It's a long day, <laughs> but it's, it's something, you know, I don't get tattoos. I, I love people who do. I, I just don't. And so, um, I got like, a. I always keep it here. So actually, I'm not wearing it right now, but I have like a my Iron Man, Iron Man necklace. Necklace, right? Yeah. And <laughs> I always keep it near because anytime things get tough, and things have gotten tough over the last year, because I do own a brick and mortar stretch studio. Yeah. And we have been impacted yeah. significantly by COVID. Yeah. But it's that reminder. I keep that reminder close by that anything is possible. Just continue to push through, continue to show up, stand on your truth. Like all of the things that I've learned over this journey of being an athlete, I'm still using yes. today to continue to better myself. And there, so there are so many yeah. parallels. There are so many parallels with an athletic yeah. journey and a business owner journey as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep quoting this, but I was in a clubhouse room recently that um, they had Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank in there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I caught the tail end of it, but they asked her like, what is your like biggest piece of advice regarding business? And she said, business is just a race to the finish line with a bunch of obstacles in the way. And I was like, oh, like that thing I do, I do obstacle races. Like this is an analogy that I understand. It's just a race to the finish line with a bunch of obstacles in the way. And you have to just get, get around them all. And that's, so there are parallels and you're experiencing these obstacles with having a brick and mortar studio right now in the time of COVID. I totally understand that, but the lessons you learn in your athletic journey continue to pay off over and over again, as you say. Oh yeah. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I literally, <laughs> this might sound funny, but like even during like creating my my coaching program when I'm doing my curriculum, I look at it like it's a, you know, like how you would build a training program for an athlete. You know, you have this sort of build period and you, you know, you're building, building, building and you have a step back week and like, yes. you know, you just, it's, it's so many parallels. There's so much I've gained. And like I said, it's, you know, my family and friends, they, they were like, when I first started doing it, they were like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. But it's funny. It's like, you know, trying to get them to see, actually, this is me. Like, yes. 
you know, not that I wasn't the other person, but this is so much more authentically me. Yeah. Yeah. This is me growing into myself. This is me I've always been meant to be. Yes. So I want to transition a little bit. I like to talk about highs and lows in your athletic journey. So what I want to ask now is what was your worst or lowest competitive moment or maybe your worst day on the race course? Like, do you have a memory of, of a race like that? Oh yeah. My first marathon was like that. It's kind of funny. Why is that? Okay. (laughs) It's always, it's always nice when, you know, you can laugh about it now, right? (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't that nice going through it. So, um, I had trained and, you know, when you train, you're like, at the time I was like, wanted to get like Oprah's time or something. You know, I was like, Oh, well I want to get like, you know, under 430, you know, it's my first time, whatever. So I trained really well. And what I did not factor in was one, the weather, Mm -hmm. it's cold, it's cold, very cold. Two, the cobblestone streets. Ooh, yeah, that sounds uncomfortable. Very. And then I had some GI issues, man. And if you, you know, when you're training, you know, you try to factor in all of that, right? You try and you, during training, you're trying to figure out what, what works for your tummy, what doesn't. And during my training, I, I, I thought I had it kind of down pat, but I don't know what happened, but <laughs> I was on pace to finish with the 415 group. I was actually ahead of time, I think. And then I would say right around now, 14 or so, my stomach starts to grumble. And I'm like, what is that? By like mile 15, I'm like, what is that? Yeah. And that's not a good place in mile the world for that to happen. 16, 17, yeah. I'm down to a shuffle. And this might sound really funny to everyone, but I'm like squeezing the life out of my butt cheeks. I've been there. Why I don't stop to go to, why don't I why stop? Not, why don't you stop, right? I don't know. Like it never I, even crossed I mean, I ran a marathon stop. just ahead of COVID times and even I used to pour a body. I don't know why I did not. I don't, I still don't know why. And then like, I'm trying to drink a little bit, but I'm not. And then like, now it's just like a shuffle. And it's like, I'm squeezing my butt cheeks like crazy. I'm just like, oh my God. I was like, and all I'm thinking is like, I'm going to be like on the internet forever. Like with poop going down my legs. (laughs) Um, And then like, I'm just like, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I'm trying to, you know, your brain's like, so like that. And then I look up. And, you know, I see that I'm behind the 440 group or something like that, 445 group or something like that. And then I look and I see the mile marker that says mile 20. And my crazy ass, I stop and take a selfie from Facebook, like mile 20, only a 10K from here. And like this big, like big stuff. (laughs) Your brain is like in another universe at that point. But that's exactly the shift that needed because then I started to pick up my shuffle. Mm-hmm. Because it is just the 10K and you're like, I know I right. can do Right, right. And this is where I'm like, how powerful. And again, remember, I hadn't been like, I've been running for like maybe a little over a year. And I'm starting to recognize how your brain, like your brain can take your body where it doesn't necessarily want to go, right? Is that you can keep yeah. it moving, like you just keep your legs moving. Yeah. It is. They and say so mind I, over matter, and it's that's yeah, real. That's legit. And I, yeah, and so I did that, and um, I started to you know do a little shuffle run and I, everything. But um, you know, I made it to the finish line. It was clearly missed my time. I think I was like, I want to say I was five oh five or something like that. No, I'm sorry, I was four fifty five oh five. That's what it was. And so I was a little like beyond the time, but I was so proud. But then afterwards, oh my God, like I was so like, I don't know what happened, but it's always a great story to tell because like, I think that you don't really like, it sounds fine. Cause you know, I really said it too. Like we love vacations for races, but you really have to factor some stuff in. Right. Right. <laughs> like, like I didn't even know, I didn't even know about the cobblestone streets, my legs and everything, you know, but it also goes to show that I trained well because the next day I was like, oh, let's go to London. And you know, you could go sightseeing, you could walk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, two days later, it's a different story, but that's, you know, yeah, that's to be expected. What's the biggest thing you learned from that experience? 
Well, the biggest thing I learned was like I had, you know, I obviously could have gotten out of that situation had I just, you know, stopped focusing on like, obviously, and it seemed really important at the time. I, I don't even know if that's like the right thing to say. And, but my mindset was really powerful. That was like the one thing, like that's the first time really during a race where I really had to be like, oh my God, like, like, and my mindset like took over. And once I was able to shift my mindset, then I was able to finish, yes. right? Yeah, I, I, I didn't even think of, like, I wasn't really thinking of quitting, but, but I was miserable, Right. And then I saw the sign and I was just like, well, wait a minute, Stacey, you can do a 10K. Like you can walk a 10K. Like, girl, let's get this done. And it's funny because it's like the same type of thing happened during my Ironman, not with the stomach issues or whatever, but um, just be from fatigue from the day. And I started walking at, at the end of the race. And I was like, you know, I had this mantra that I was just kept saying in my head move with purpose towards the finish line. And that's what literally kept me going. Yeah. So I, I recognize like, you know, and that was a big gap between the time, uh, not really a big gap, but a few years between the time I did that marathon in Paris and I did my Ironman in Boulder. Um, but that same mindset shift was there where it's like, okay, use your mind, shift your mindset, focus on moving forward, focus on positive thoughts, focus on, you know, the end result, keep moving forward. And that's something I continue to use today, even in business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, endurance racing is just as much mental as it is physical, possibly more mental than it is physical. And it is a roller coaster when you go on those long races, because when you're at mile 14, 15, it doesn't, it's hard to like chunk it down like you did when you got to mile 20 and you're like, I got a 10 K it's hard to see that. And that's when you go into the dark place. And then if you're having GI issues, it's even darker, but these are tools that you can use to make the experience better, to move you forward. And next thing you know, you're crossing a finish line. So conversely, what was your favorite race, your highest point, your most, you know, best day? Honestly, I mean, it'd probably be a, a tie between the first eight life cycle I did and my Ironman race, like for different reasons, obviously. Mm -hmm. For the first time I did AIDS life cycle to ride every inch of 545 miles with all types of elevation. I think over the course of the seven days is something like, I don't know, like 18,000 to 20,000 elevation or something. But that felt so gratifying. Like I was in tears. It was for my mom. So it was very emotional. My mom was 51 when she died. So I'm you know, getting ready to hit that number myself. And I feel like I have so much more life to live. And even back then when I did the race, that's how I felt. But that felt very powerful. And then like Iron Man was just amazing. Like I said, by the end of the race, I was like, move with purpose towards the finish line, move with purpose towards the finish line. And then like right when I got down to that like last, and I had no idea I was getting down to that point because it was dark and my watch had died. But I just had this feeling I was getting close to the finish line. And all of a sudden I got like this really great big burst of energy. And all of a sudden I'm running a nine minute mile a day. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that happens? Yes. <laughs> right. And it's just the adrenaline of like, yeah. hey, I think the finish line is, you know, close. And knowing that, you know, I will always be an Iron Man. Yes. You know? That is a designation, like Olympian, like ultra athlete. Yeah. Like when you, when yeah. you're an Iron Man, you're an Iron Man forever. 1% of the world ever does it. So right. like I'm in that 1%. So I feel really good about that. That's always going to be. And like I said, all of the lessons from the very first time that I started my athletic journey um, to now, it's really all like what I've learned as an athlete. I, I honestly, I really wish I would have learned that some of this as a kid. I mean, right. <laughs> I, 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 the same, it's like, I wish the, the sports that I've played, I wish existed when I was a kid, mm-hmm. like, you know, roller derby and obstacle racing were my thing. And it's like, if mm-hmm. they existed when I was a kid, I might've been athletic my whole life, but that's, that wasn't our journey. And that's okay. You know, we have a different journey. Right, right, right. right <laughs> and we're on the journey right, we're meant to be on. Right. And you might have taken a different path, right? Exactly. So. Exactly. So you started all of this when you were 41. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So you were in your 40s when you started. You're almost at the tail, you're at the tail end of your 40s. Let's talk about what it is like doing this type of stuff in your 40s, having started in your 40s. What types of unique challenges do you face? as someone who has been an air quote, older athlete, your entire time as an athlete? 
Yeah. So I would say because I came into it later, I didn't know as much. So I, in the beginning, I was prone to like injuries from like overuse, not stretching. You know, I own a stretch studio now. Oh my God, the power of stretching. Yes. Oh my God, the power of stretching. <laughs> now you're yeah. helping others at least not fall into that. Like, it's like, I wish someone would have told me that. You know, I would say something that was a challenge for me is that I was perimenopausal at the time too. So that had an impact in, you know, my race. I'd be arguing with the coach, like I'm giving it my all and like the results aren't showing the way that I thought they should show. And also not being able to like drop, like you're working all hard, 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 hard. You expect me to drop weight and like it's all these other things. And I had to really just check myself. I'm like, say, so you're doing this for Drop weight. Like, what are you doing? Like, wh- why are you so focused on that? Why are you stressing yourself like you're going to be on the podium somewhere? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, this is not like you're not trying to become a professional athlete. So I had to really check myself. And that's not to say that others who are on this journey can't become pro- like pros later in life because there's this whole and and I will tell you. The 40 plus age group is competitive. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Like come competitive yeah I'm like I'm like oh like you like it's some women out there just like killing it yeah so you have to really like so I would say I had to really check myself to make sure I was not doing it for other people and making sure it was still serving me the way like this journey it's brought me a lot of joy yeah. right it's taught me so much about myself it helped me really be able to stand in my truth. Like it gave me all type of inner strength. And so I had to really stop focusing on a lot of the other stuff, if that makes sense. But I will say like the the injury stuff was serious though. I will say that like, yeah. Yeah. And especially not knowing, not knowing much about what you need to do for recovery, going all in like you did in the beginning. It's natural that you had some injury situations because- you know, it's like, it's like you're a kid, you're, you're in your forties, but you're experiencing this with like childlike glee that you just want to do all the things and you (laughs) all the things things and and don't want to have the FOMO, but then you learn the hard way when the injuries happen. And, and at the time when you were starting, you said you were going through perimenopause. I know, you know, now, only now is it starting to come into the light, the things you can mitigate menopause as an athlete, but like back then, like probably coaches weren't aware of that. Nobody was talking about that. So it was probably a more difficult journey for you back then. You know, honestly, I have to tell you, this is going to sound it. it. So my coach was a professional women's um, pro, right? Happened to meet her by chance in our local town. I was like, Hey, can you coach me? Yeah. And then she knew Oh gosh, what is Stacy's name? But Stacy wrote a book. Stacy Sims. Yes. Yes. So she connected me with Stacy Sims. Oh, Stacey okay. Sims gave me an entire program. Okay. That I you follow. I am envious of you. I am envious of you. <laughs> See, and then and it was early in her where, like, I would honestly, the work that she's doing now was probably from the the betas and stuff that she was doing when when we were working together. Because it was everything was built around understanding, like she had me, you know, go check my FSH levels. And mm-hmm. she was like the person that really helped me to go communicate with my primary care physician about like the things that was going on in my body. And I kept thinking, like, what is going on? Especially because I was like a person that had very regular periods mm-hmm. and all of a sudden things was going wonky. And then my I would go talk to my primary care physician and she would be like, Oh, it's all the workouts you're doing. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, no. Like, I'm, I'm supposed to exercise. Isn't that right? Right. You know, and like, and she's like, well, you, you know, but it was everything from like the night sweats to what I was eating. And so I actually was very blessed in that I had a really good team to become an aging athlete at the yes, time. you did. Um, because I had a <laughs> lot of information. Stacy was amazing. You know, we have, you know, touch points where we'd chat and I'd be like, well, this is what I did. And she'd switch up my training program to, you know, if I had an injury, you know, she'd switch things up just like my coach would. And so by the time I got ready to do like my Ironman and stuff, I was like dialed in pretty well um, because I had started working with my coach 
probably two years before I did um, triathlon because I started with her with the the cycling yeah. for Ace Life Cycle. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm currently taking Dr. Stacy Sims menopause for athletes course. So I feel like the work you did with her as a beta mm-hmm. probably led to this point so many mm-hmm. years later, uh, yeah. where again, she's reaching new coaches, she's reaching new people. And yep. hopefully now these principles are going to become a little more mainstream in when it comes to women's coaching and coaching aging women. So that's, I'm, I am envious of you right now that you, <laughs> that you got to have that experience. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny because her, um, she had this company called, um, it'll come to me later. Um, right. But anyway, it was like, I was like, die hard. Like, yes, yes. And all the research she had did about that you know, women are not small men. Like I loved it, loved it. And it was like, it was great to be in in that sort of that pod. Right. And Mm -hmm. the Bay area is like, that's kind of, you know, small community of, you know, women cyclists and women athletes there. So it was great to be in that community. Yes. Oh, very cool. All right. So I talked about the challenges real quick and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but switch over to what kinds of unique advantages do you find age provides helps you participate in these types of sports and athletic endeavors at the stage of life you are in now? I actually think it's great. Like, I don't, like, I think more, more of us should come into the, into it. Like, I think that we probably talk ourselves out of it because of, you know, we haven't done it before or you have naysayers around. I did have a couple of naysayers, even my own family. And it, you know, kept me from, it might keep you from doing it, but the, but the benefits of it go, I talk about this with stretching all the time too. The benefits go far beyond the stretch and the benefits go far beyond you becoming an athlete because you become that Olympian of your life. And when, like, once you do that, once you own that power, once you see what you are capable of, it just literally sets your soul on fire and ignites something within you that is like you you won't be able to put that fire out. It will only keep burning. It will only get bigger. You will only do bigger things. And yeah, I like to say life doesn't shrink as we age. It actually expands to so many more opportunities. And I think that, you know, becoming an aging athlete even is it can even only enhance that even more. So, yeah. I mean, you, you said when you complete the Ironman, there's nothing you can't do. Like, you know, you know, this in your soul that there is nothing you can't do. And so when you, right. when you step into different challenges, different endeavors, diff, you know, you said you're an entrepreneur and started a business and anything that might've scared you previously in life, or you might've said no to, you can then approach it with an attitude of there is nothing I can't do. Right. And that changes yeah, everything. Absolutely. It changes everything. It does. It does. It, I, I know I would not have ever, ever quit my job and just without a plan or something. Cause I'm a, you know, in some ways I, I, I'm, I like control. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I could do it. Like what's the worst that could happen? Like I could do it. Like anything is possible. Right. I can. Do it. And like, I tell people all the time, like you asked me to go run a marathon to, tomorrow. I could do it. I'm going to be like, it's going to be slow. Yeah. I'm not going to have fun, but, I'll, I'm but not I can do have it. Fun. I'm going to be sore, but it might take me eight hours, but I can but do it. I can, I can go 26.2 miles. There's so much power in that. There's so much power knowing you can wake up and run any distance. You know, you can run like I, I know like on a, on a, any given weekend, I can go out and run a half marathon and I probably enjoy it, yeah. you know, and there's power to just that knowledge because other people do yeah. not have that knowledge about themselves, yeah. but you can. And they put, they put limiters on it, right? They say, I can't run a half marathon. Well, okay, go walk it. Mm-hmm. When yeah. people tell me they can't do a half marathon, I'm like, you walk two hours in the mall. Why can't you walk two hours in a half marathon? It's all about the incentive. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, I, I mean but you, it's, it's about the story you're telling yourself. Yes. Like, the, like, you know, I'm a mindset coach, right? So I'm, I'm all about the stories you tell yourself. Like, you have to change the story you're telling yourself to a more powerful story. You have to challenge these self-limiting beliefs you put on yourself. Yeah. You have to stop saying, I can't run a half marathon. Okay, why not? Well, I've never done it before. Okay, but why not? Like, okay, so you haven't done it before. We could try yeah. it. So what, what else? Like, I will what else you to death. Yeah, we're going to get you out of that never space. 
We're going to get you out of that because you're because you're saying I can't do it. And you're translating it to I will never be able to do it. Right. Right. You have to change it to a more powerful story. So then it's like, well, what would what what do you think needs to happen in order for you to do it? And then it's like, here's the number one. I know you hear this with your clients. I don't have the time. <laughs> I don't have the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's look at your time. Look at your you schedule. It's right, one of like, the first things that I, I help my clients with when they join my membership. I have a course called Ageless Simplicity, where they mm-hmm. literally help them schedule, find time in their schedule that is fine, there. Fine. That is there. there. You, don't, you, you don't realize it's there because the chaos that you live in, right. but it's there. And, and the choices you make. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like you, if you are saying no to this, you are saying yes to something else. Yeah. Right. So what you yeah. want to say yes to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, I, yeah. Do you want this? What Absolutely. do you want? If you want it, how can you do it? You can do it. Yeah. So I like to say it's, it's not, I can't, it's just not yet. So right. that opens up possibility and Absolutely. then you can, that can lead to, I will. So Absolutely. awesome. So do you have any competitive plans for the future? <laughs> I do. And only because I feel like we're so suppressed this year, right? Or the, the last year. I feel like we just, you know, I have done, this is probably my most inactive 15 yeah, months ever. Me too. <laughs> like I was like in the beginning, I was like, oh, I got the COVID 10. I got like the COVID 25 now. And I don't even care about weight. Like, right. I don't even care about weight. Yeah. I'm talking about 25 pounds. I used to be able to be like, uh, 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 like give me in these 25 pound weights. I don't, I'm down to the 10 pound weights, girl. I'm like, this is right. Enough. And when you know, when you know what you could do, you also know right. what you can no longer do. Right. And that's right. legit. So, like it happens. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to the weather breaking here. I love outdoor stuff. Uh, I'm, I now live in Wichita, Kansas, which is so different from the Bay area. It's yes. super flat. And I find it very challenging to ride on. I, I would like when I was in the Bay area, all I did was pray for flat roads <laughs> because nothing is flat in California. Right. So you just got all these hills and now I'm on these flat roads and it kills me. I'm like, Oh my God. Like it's, it's like, it doesn't use enough of your, it's like being on a treadmill. Right. It's just like, yeah, it doesn't give you any, um, like there's not enough insulations. Like, so we have to, that's the, that's the goal is to find some open, some, some places to, to put our bikes in the car and go find some hills to find, to ride. And so I'm really looking forward to the weather breaking. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to getting back into running. I definitely want to do a fall race. So I'm going to sign up. I've been looking for a fall running race to do. So I'm going to try to find one. Yeah. I am looking forward to getting back into competition as well. (laughs) I feel you. Uh, So if you could leave us with one parting piece of wisdom, what would that be? You're not too old. You're not too old. Yeah. You're not too old. So stop saying just start. that. Stop saying just you're too old. Yeah. Just start. Start where you are. Start what you have. Just start. Yeah. And, and it says it got, it's what you did. I mean, you, you progressed really quickly, but you started with those hikes, just simple hikes where you weren't measuring mileage and you were just walking and, and being alone with your thoughts at a time when you really really needed to do that. And that's, so just, just start where you are. And give yourself permission. Women don't allow themselves to have that time, right? We feel guilty taking time for ourselves. Give yourself permission to just go someplace, take a walk. You know, you don't have to go to the trails like I did. Just take a walk by yourself Yeah. and get comfortable with just your thoughts, right? And, 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 opening yourself up in that way. That can be, Take yourself a, permission. that can initially be a really uncomfortable place for yeah, women. Yeah. 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 But it's important. It's Sorry. an important place for us to be. And I, you know, when I, that's why I love running trails because I like you get, you have nature around you and you're alone. Like my husband and I go to a trail together, but he's much faster than me. So I do run alone mm-hmm. on the trail yeah. and I love yeah. it. Like I come up with my best ideas out on the trail, yeah. like for my business, even like, yeah, that's yeah. where my, my mind gets really expansive is when I'm running by myself or hiking by myself. So there is so much power in that. And so many people are missing out on that power. So give yourself permission. And we are here giving you permission. Give yourself permission as well to experience (laughs) that. Stacey, how can people find you and get to know you and follow you online? Awesome. Yes. Um, So I am at stacygriner.com, S-T-A-C-Y, 
G-R-I-N-E-R.com. I am also on Instagram as I am Stacy Griner. And you can find me on Facebook under the same handle. And of course, LinkedIn. Awesome. 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 So, if, and, and do you do online stretching classes? We do. My, my stretch studio is called Kika, K-I-K-A, Stretch Studios in Midtown Atlanta. And we do offer virtual sessions. And that's important because I'm even thinking about that. I'm like, I know I need to stretch more. I, yeah, people generally don't. It's a 60 minute session. So that's a lot of stretching for people that people are not stretching. But yeah, I'm doing a few minutes after my workouts, but I know that I would be better served as a 46 year old athlete if I was more dedicated and more intentional with my stretching. And especially those who start younger, like they think it's like, oh, I don't need this. It's an afterthought. And then you get older and it's like, oh, I, this needs to not be an afterthought. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, so many of our clients come in, even student athletes. We love we, we love trying to get student athletes in so that they can start doing this earlier. But, you know, we see all ages from people. Our youngest client is, I think, uh, 12 and our oldest is 81. Fantastic. So, yeah. you know, we see a breadth of clients, you know, clients come in with all types of um you know, reasons, mostly neck pain, back mm-hmm. issues. And then some of them are just like, like, I ain't touched my toes in 30 years. I like to touch my toes again. And they'd be like, and they're always asking, do you think I can touch my toes? Yeah, you can. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm dealing with a runner's injury right now. So I'm just like, oh, I need to be taking care of that. So yes, that's the fun of being an ageless <laughs> athlete. Yes. But if you do it, if you do it consistently, you'll have less injuries. And that's what it's about. It's not, you know, when you're waiting till the injury happens and then you're dealing with the rehab, it's better to do the prehab to, to get ahead of it and do this work so that you don't get injured because it's much more fun to not get injured. Yes. I I can speak from experience and I know you can too. (laughs) too. It's way more fun to just not get injured. And as we age, it takes longer to to, to bounce back. So it's really important to, um, to take care of yourself. Like as your time for recovery, whether it's stretching, massage, it should be just as important as your training schedule. Like it should just be in there. It's yeah. It is not an afterthought. It is a part of your regimen. It's not an option. Optional workout. Nope, nope. nope. <laughs> it is part of your workout routine. Right. right. Stacy, thank you so much for being on the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. I love your journey and I love your story. And you touched on so many topics that are super, super important, particularly for our women listeners. Starting later, I know it's been requested of me to spotlight more later in life athletes. And you know, your story of, of transition and rebirth and stepping into your power and stepping into your confidence and all of the amazing life changes that have come from that all through your athletic journey. It's just so important for our listeners to hear. So I know they're going to, they're going to get a lot out of this story or, you know, having listened to, they just got a lot out of this story. (laughs) So thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If you have dreams of achieving bold athletic and fitness goals like the seasoned athletes you listen to on this podcast, a key part of doing that is a consistent fitness program and routine. And if that's something that's just not happening for you right now, I can help you get it going again. It all starts with your first five days. Your first five days is a free mini challenge that's all about setting that foundation to get you back into your body, your energy, and your confidence with simplicity and ease. Each day during your first five days, you'll get a mini audio training that you can listen to while you move. You'll get simple tips and action steps you can use to make fitness a part of your everyday life in a way that doesn't feel heavy, hard, or stressful. Where you go from there? Well, the sky's the limit. For now though, start with your first five days. Get it for free at robinleggett.com slash five.